This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Well, welcome. How's everybody doing this morning? Y'all enjoying this, what feels like first weekend out of the fall here and in the south when allergies start kicking up and trees start changing colors, right? That's what the fall is all about. Um, it's great to have you here. My name's Kevin. I'm uh, one of the pastors on staff here at Vortex. And we're right at the end of a series that we began four weeks ago called Friends with Benefits. It's looking at um, really the two passages of scriptures, John 15, 15, and then Psalm uh, 103, 1 through 5. And just to give you a little roadmap on where we are, where we're going, uh, we, we start a brand new series next weekend. It's uh, it's called Plot Twist, and it's looking at the fact that, that our lives play out a lot like a story. And, and, and as we encounter God, when the story encounters God, when God gets involved in our story, everything changes. And for the next four weeks, we're going to look at how God will change your family, how God can change your faith, how God will change your future, and how God can change your finances when you let him get involved in your life. And during that series, we're actually going to highlight stories from within our church, people who have experienced uh, the work of God and and, and share uh, their stories with you. So we'd love to have you next week as we get ready to start a uh, plot to us. So let's go ahead and, and dive in. Um, two passages of scriptures that, that we focus on, John fifteen fifteen, where Jesus says, I, I no longer call you servants, I, I now call you friends. The, the grand invitation that the God of the universe would look at me, look at you, and say, you can not just be my, my servant, you can be my friend. Like, we can know each other, we can love each other, we can live in that type of a relationship. And then even beyond that, and, and the great psalmist David, King David, uh, wrote in Psalm 103 about that relationship and lists out the benefits. So we're going to go there. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And that's where we derived the, the title of the series. And in the first week, we, we went through this one. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. We, we looked at the grand benefit that God has given us, that he forgives us. Uh, then he redeems us from death. In week two, we looked at God's redemption. And last week, we looked at, and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. And looked at the fact that God has surrounded us with grace. And this week, we're going to zero in on verse 5. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Psalm 103, verse 5. Today we're going to look at the benefit of God's satisfaction. Some of y'all are looking at me like, but Kevin, I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. And today we're, we're going to spend some time actually letting you figure out where that comes from. It, if I were you, there were questions that I would ask. 
And, and so just like the last couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to go through some questions that help us unpack the benefit that God has given us in his satisfaction. And the first one that I would, I would just think that we should deal with this is what is satisfaction? What is that? And we could probably get a, a, a definition from Mick Jagger because he has not got any satisfaction and he could probably tell us what he's looking for, you know. But And we could maybe go to the, the dictionary or to some other sources, but I think it's important for us to go back to the original text. The Old Testament is written in a language called Hebrew. The interesting thing about Hebrew is Hebrew is a, a, a very emotional language. It has a lot of connotations. So even when it says this, there's it gives you kind of like... The the feeling that goes with that, as opposed to Greek, which is the language that the New Testament is written in, which is a very exact language. I mean, you can move an apostrophe in a word and completely transform the meaning. So the, the Greek language is very exact, which I think is really awesome, because that's how God communicated the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There is no doubt as to what he was saying in the context of Scripture when it comes to that. But in this word, in it, that he satisfies your mouth with good things. The word that is translated out of Hebrew, that is translated to satisfies, is the word saba. It means literally to be made full. The connotation of that word is that you're made so full that you're almost overflowing. So full that I'm almost sick of it. Some of y'all have experienced this. You've experienced this right here, right here, this thing. Oh, you can eat buffet, right? Y'all been there before, and you've been so full that I'm almost weary of the good thing, right? I love this sign. This people got it right, didn't they? Look at this one. Eat all you want. You're already fat. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care. Who you are. That's funny. All right. That's what, that's what that, that word means, that he's satisfied. He has made us full, so full that we're almost overflowing. But I think it's interesting what God says he's going to satisfy, what he says he's going to fill. Because verse 5, Psalm 103 says that he will satisfy your mouths. And that word mouth is a very interesting work in, in the context of Scripture. As a matter of fact, it only appears in the Bible uh, 13 times. 11 other times it's translated into a different word. I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to just be amazed. The word is ornament. <laughs> you are like, what? <laughs> Mouth, twice. Ornament, 11 times. Actually, the, the Hebrew word that's used there would describe an ornament that was put inside of a horse's mouth. It's a technical term. We would call it a bridle. That which is used to control and steer the horse. Now, some of you have been around show horses and seen the ornamental bridles that have been used in those. And that's really what this word is referring to. You know, there's a, a connection between our mouths and, and our lives. All throughout the Bible, there's this theme that if we can get our, our mouths right, get our lives right too. As, look at what James says, James 3. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body 
in check. If you can keep your mouth in check, you can keep your body in check. And God says that I will satisfy, I will fill your mouth. But it's not just a mouth, is it? It's a mouth that has been bridled. A mouth that is under control. A mouth that is disciplined. And God is saying, if you will have that disciplined mouth, I will fill it. Think about what the Bible often refers to when it talks about mouth. The Bible talks about our language, our words. Which is why in that same context in, in James 3, the, the Bible says that no, no man can tame the tongue. No, no man can, but, but there's definitely a, a God who can. No man can tame the tongue. Right? There's this connection between our, our tongues and our, and our words and our life. Right? That we can be the kind of people who are disciplined in the words that we speak and be disciplined. But, but mouth is not just what comes out of our mouth. It's, it's also uh, symbolic of what goes into it, our appetites, right? I will satisfy a mouth that is under discipline with good things. I will satisfy your mouth with good things. So what are good things? What are good things? Today, during the offering time, I'm going to share uh, with you that my, my daughter is giving for the first time today. Yesterday, we, we um, divided our, her, her spending money and her giving money into little Ziploc bags, and her mom was sharing this with me, that... Uh, that she went to her and said, hey, you know, it, it's, it's a good thing to give. It's what God wants us to do. When we do what God wants us to do, we're, we, we get to be happy in knowing. And she said, but mommy, I'll be happy if I spend it. <laughs> you know, I've learned a lot from, from her. Because yesterday, the only thing she wanted to eat all day long or gummies. Breakfast, what do you want this morning for breakfast? Gummies. What do you want for lunch? Gummies. What do you want for supper? Gummies. No, that's not a good thing, but it's what she wants. You know that good things aren't often the things that we want. It's what's good for us. And I love that the Bible says in Psalm 84.11, this. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. No good thing does God withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And as a friend of mine in college and I were discussing this, he brought out this next verse, Proverbs 18.22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And so his rationale was, God's not going to hold a wife back from me. Because a wife is a good thing. What is the good thing that God is going to fill your life with? Because that's what the promise is. That if we 
experience that friendship. God promises that he is going to fill us up. He's going to satisfy us with good things. So the next logical question is who satisfies me? Who who satisfies me? And if we go back through the benefits that we've went through, we talked in the first week about God's forgiveness. Who, who forgives you? It's Jesus. Jesus forgives you. Second week, we talked about the redemption of God. Who, who has redeemed you? Who has bought you out of slavery? Who has given you freedom to reign in this life? That, that is Jesus. And last week, we talked about the benefit of being crowned. Who who had the crown and traded his crown with you so that he could wear a crown of thorns? That would be Jesus. So who can satisfy you? And, and if I could say anything to any of you in here, any of you, in, in all the time that we get to spend together, I, I pray that this would sink into your hearts. Only God can satisfy you. Only God can satisfy you. You're not going to find satisfaction in the things that we so easily identify. Only God can satisfy you. Proverbs 14, 14 says, The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied. From above. See, a backslider just, just in heart has stepped away from God to say, it's my way. It's the way that I want it to go. This, isn't, this life isn't the life that I deserve. This isn't the way it should be right now. But a good man, a righteous man will be satisfied from above. Ecclesiastes 5.10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. If you're that family and you think, if we could just get $10,000 more a year in our income, we would be okay. We wouldn't need any more. We, if we can just get one good pay raise. Wrong. You won't be satisfied. And this, that verse right there is, is exemplified over and over as we see men who attain wealth beyond our wildest dreams who are depressed and sad because they're not satisfied. Psalm 145. Verse 16, speaking of the Lord. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Satisfaction can only be found with Jesus. And I would tell you today that if you're dealing with dissatisfaction in life right now, that that is not a situational issue, it's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. Because you can be in a job that you don't like and be satisfied. Because you have Jesus. 
and you're satisfied through Jesus. You can be in a marital, relational situation that's not optimum at the moment, but you can be satisfied because you found your satisfaction in Jesus. Dissatisfaction is always a spiritual issue because only Jesus can satisfy you. The second, the third question that I think that we need to deal with is what's the result of being satisfied? And the the Bible gives us really plainly. Psalm um, 103 verse 5, the second part of the verse says, your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, some of you, that's not that big of a promise because you're right now in the middle of your youth. But for some of us, that's a pretty exciting promise right there. That God can renew your youth. And he uses an analogy there. He can renew your youth like the eagle. Some of you have begun to experience the onset of old age. You're, you're wearing glasses because your eyes have, uh, they don't function as well as they used to. You have uh, trouble remembering uh, as, my, as a matter of fact, I was over at my mom and dad's the other day. Many of you know my mom and dad, Alan Rose. And uh, I was, and my dad, my dad was talking to me. My mom was in the other room, and, and my dad said, "You know, Kevin, we went to this really nice restaurant the other week." And I and I said, "Oh, dad, that's nice. Where where'd you go?" And he said, "Well, I can't remember right now. I can't remember." He said, he said, he looked at me. He said, he said, um, he said, I'm, all right, all right, help me out. Um, it's it's a flower. Sometimes it's red. Uh, sometimes it's white. It has thorns on it. And I go, a rose. And he goes, yeah, that's right. Hey, Rose, Rose, what, what was that restaurant we went to? And some of y'all are there right now. And the promise that God could restore your youth is a tremendous promise. You know what's interesting about eagles? Eagles are huge birds, wingspans up to and, and over seven foot. They in flight can carry twice their weight. Twice their weight. You realize this? This is very interesting. Every year, every single year, all the feathers on an eagle are reborn. Every single year, so when the Bible says your youth is renewed like the eagles, y'all want to realize something? That didn't evolve. That was created. Their eyes are as big as a human eye. And while they see as good or better than us, their eyesight as they get older does not get worse. And many of you have seen that that picture of an eagle swooping down and grabbing a fish and taking it out of the the pond or the lake. Do you know what the number one cause of death for an eagle is? Drowning. Drowning. Because if they latch onto a fish that is too big, they won't let go. And that fish will pull them under the water, and they cannot swim. And I would tell you today that there are many of us that have not experienced the benefit of God's satisfaction 
because we've been greedy and we've bought into a lifestyle and a life that is much bigger than we can support. And it's pulling us under the water and we need to let go of it. The last question that I think we should deal with is how do you receive satisfaction? How do you receive satisfaction? And, and thinking about this, by, by God's grace, my wife has been, has been blessed. She, when we first started the church, she worked in Matthews, and so we, we, uh, she drove every day uh, just to support our family because we were um, you know, working to do this. And she drove all the way to Matthews and back every day, gave up a, a ton of time and, uh, that she could have been spending with our family. And uh, God has provided a job here in Albemarle, not just a job, but she has the chance to teach in the public school, make a difference in kids' lives. Um, and, and as she made this switch a few weeks ago, we had to deal with our benefits uh, be changing, right? Because we, we changed, she changed full-time employment from this job to this new job. Maybe y'all have been through that. You know, you got to sign up for health care. you got to sign up for your new 401k, whatever it is. You, you have to re-enroll in benefits because full-time employees are given benefits. But you know what happens when you're a part-time employee? Don't get benefits. Start thinking about that. Many of us look at the benefits that God says, here, here are the benefits to the life that I want to give you. Here, this is what it, it should look like for you. And many of us are looking at it going, saying, but that's not, I haven't, I haven't found that. I haven't found life to be full of those benefits. But you know what? We're actually living as part-time believers, not full-time. We've never made the investment to go full-time, all in, 100% into this. God, you can, you can be in control of my church. God, you can be in control of the world. But God, I'm in control of my money and my kids and my house. God, maybe you can have my kids, but I'm going to keep the checkbook. God, I'll, I'll trust you with my, with my job, but I won't trust you with my spouse. We've been part-time believers. And I tell you today that you don't really understand and fully appreciate the benefit until you become fully invested in it. Think about it with me. There's a little shop downtown Albemarle. It's called Vac and Dash. They sell, this is, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but they sell running shoes, running apparel, uh, screen print, ship, UPS, and they sell vacuum cleaners. All right, so think about this. They have a money-back guarantee on their vacuum cleaners. Me and you walking down in downtown Albemarle, I take you into Vacuum Dash and show you this vacuum. This vacuum costs $300. It's the best one you can buy. Hey, hey, Seth, you work here. Seth, I am not satisfied with this vacuum. Money-back guarantee, right? I'm not satisfied with this vacuum, Seth. It doesn't do what you said it would do. And Seth would look at me and go, hey, well, well can I see a, a receipt? Do you, have, do you have your vacuum with you so that we can examine it and see if there's something wrong? And I, I'd say, no, no, I've never purchased one. I'm just not satisfied with this one. Many of us have done that with Jesus. We've never fully invested We've never went full-time 
to experience the benefits. And we've looked at him and said, you know what? I'm not satisfied. I want you to look at this. Isaiah 53, which is the Messianic chapter in the Bible. This is where the Bible is really looking forward to Jesus coming, one of the greatest chapters in all the Old Testament doing that. In that, Isaiah 53, verse 11, the Bible says, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. He will see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And what then? would be the labor of his soul. We see that in the next, the next verse. He poured out his soul unto death. The Bible says that as Jesus looked over his death, he was satisfied. as he fully invested himself in the cause to see me and you ransomed to God, Jesus, who poured his life out, was satisfied. You know what else was satisfied? The debt that we owe God from our sin. And so in John 15, 15, when Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Jesus dramatically repaints where satisfaction in our relationship with God should originate from. Because think about that with me. If you're a servant, where do you find your satisfaction? You find your satisfaction in what you do. I'm satisfied because I've done a good job. I'm, I'm satisfied because I have fully... Um, taking care of all the responsibilities that I have. But what does a friend find satisfaction in? The other person. And God has looked at you and in all of your flaws and all of your failures, with all of your own brand of crazy, he, he says, I, I love you. I want a relationship with you. I want to satisfy you. See, he has demonstrated that he is satisfied with us. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die so that he could pay the penalty of our sins, so that we could be made right with him, so that he could then get involved in our lives and begin to change us and transform us. He loves you, and he wants you to find your satisfaction in him. So as our worship musicians come, I want to ask you a question that I think is important. What does this mean for you today? What is this message? What does this mean for you personally? Today, maybe you're the person that's here and you, you say, you know what? I've, I've had that mouth, that undisciplined lifestyle. I've not controlled what I've said. I've not controlled my appetites. I have not lived the way that God wants me to. And I, I realize now that I can't be satisfied living that way. Maybe today you're the person
that's here. Maybe for the first time, you see that the thing that you think you need, whatever that thing is, is not the thing that you really need. That you will never be satisfied with more. The only way that you can be satisfied is through Jesus. And it is the grandest benefit that he has ever leveraged to you. He gave his blood to pay the price for your satisfaction. Let's pray. God, today, many of us feel like that that eagle that is latched onto the fish that's too big and you're pulling us under because the life that we're trying to purchase is too big. And so today, God, while we have identified the wrong thing that could make us satisfied, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, we would see you as our ultimate satisfaction. God, that we would today give up those dreams that aren't of you, that we would let go of the things that are making us dissatisfied. And we would look wholly into your heart to find our satisfaction. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you this question today. Have you been looking for your satisfaction in the wrong place? Have you been looking to a relationship? Have you been looking to a to your bank account. Maybe you've longed for that one thing. And maybe today God has broken through and has revealed to you that you'll never be satisfied with that. If you're here today and you say, I want want to find my whole satisfaction, all of my satisfaction in life, I want to find it in Jesus. Would you take a moment and just raise your hand right now? That's me. I want to find all of my satisfaction in Jesus. I'm tired of looking in those other places. I'm tired of running away from him. I want to look to him to be my satisfaction. So God, for those of us that are here today who have ran from you, ran from fully investing into this relationship. We just want to do that right now. We want to find our our satisfaction in you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.